Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. To learn more about Anchor Church, go to www.anchorchurch.life. During the Fill in the Blank series, Pastor Justin shares with us the keys to discovering our purpose. going to continue our series, fill in the blank, and this is the last week, and we've been talking about a couple different things over the last couple weeks, and, and one of the main things that we've talked about is how really God is not interested in you trying to figure out what your will is. He really wants you to figure out more about who he is and, and, and what happens when we go through that process and what happens when we begin to discover who God is, we begin to discover what our will is for our, our life or what his will is for our life. And so, so often, uh, and through this, through this whole month, we've been talking about what our purpose and what, our, what God's plan is for our life, what maybe God's will is for our life. And over and over again, I want to tell you to continue to chase after him. Pursue him. That's really the main thing. If you can write anything down over the last four weeks, it would be just to continue to pursue him and we talked about how he should be our daily bread. We continue to go into his word because we can pray and talk to him, but the only way that we really hear from him is by reading his word and understanding who he is and the character of who he is. And, and, and I think sometimes the world will actually tell you who Jesus is, but when you really begin to read his word, you really discover the true character of who Jesus really is, not what the world will really define. And so last week we talked about Romans chapter 12, verse two, and I think that we have it to put on the screen. It says this, do not be conformed to this age, to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So it is chasing after him that will really be able to help you understand what God's will is and what his purpose is for your life. And so it's, it's so good. And we're gonna, we're gonna leave that up there for just a second because I wanna focus on this for just a moment. Uh, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If I can go through like we've gone through the last couple weeks and done the fill in the blank, right? So do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the... You're a little rusty, so we'll, we'll do that again. That's fine. Do, my, do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the of your mind so that you will so that you may discern what is the good pleasing and perfect will of God. So really what I want to focus on today is understanding what a renewing mind is to be able to get from one place and shift it to another. And I think about my life in this in this sense there are times where we kind of just get set in a rut, we get set into a pattern of everyday life or or we get into a a pattern of this is what happens when this happens. And I was thinking about patterns that happen in my life, and, and my wife would probably say, yes, absolutely, that is a pattern in your life. And one of and right or wrong, I don't know, it's for you to decide. But, um, but recently, my, my brother, who's six years younger than me, just had a baby. Baby Camille was born, I think, two, three weeks ago. And, um, and so we went to view, uh, to view, we went to go see her, <laughs> to go view her. She's so nice. 
Uh, no, we went to go see her and, and hold her and love on her. But every single time I'm around my brother, I act different. Like I, it's the last time I was around him on a permanent basis was when I was about 18, 17, and he was six years younger, he was 11, so he was in middle school. And, um, and I still, to, to my fault, I still treat him, uh, sometimes when I'm around him, like a middle schooler, because uh, that's how I remember him as a child. Uh, but I fall into that pattern of just acting like a goofball. Like last year, uh, some of you are like, you, you stop acting like a goofball? No, like, so um, last year we went to go see the, the, the eclipse happen um, in North Georgia. That's where my parents are. So they were in the path of totality, which is fun to say. But they were in the path of totality. And so we went up there to go see, see them. I took Davis, my son with me. He's six. He was five at the time. And I'm telling you, it was my parent. I was driving my parents nuts because it was like I was 17 again, just acting a fool in the house. But it's the pattern of what happens. You get placed into a certain circumstance and you begin to act in a certain way, right? Like I can think about times where I'm hanging out with my friends, hanging out with some of my friends that I had in college. And if you know this phrase, you know what the answer to this, but what are Saturdays for? For the boys, so there are times when you're hanging out with your friends and you totally forget the fact that you're married and you shouldn't be acting like that when you, know, you are married. And so there are times where you get into these patterns of life where you think, this is not me, this is not who I am, but this is something I fall into constantly. And those that I joked about, whether that would be me being 17 or just being around my friends and not, you know, not acting the way that I should be acting, but there are real consequences sometimes when we go through the process. There are times where I, like comfort food, like, I, you know, something bad happened. I, you know, there's the, there's the stereotype of just sitting down with a box of, or, a, or a, a, what do they call that, a carton of, uh, of Ben and Jerry's, right, and just chowing down on a whole thing of ice cream. Anybody guilty of that? Mine is uh, Chick-fil-A, hot Chick-fil-A uh, chocolate chip cookies. If I have a bad day, I'm going I'm to slide by there real quick and just get me some chocolate chip cookies. But I love that. But like we have that sort of pattern. Like if, if this happens to me, I'm going to go to this. Or if this happens, uh, this is the way that I respond. And a lot of the times, that's not really the godly way. It's not the way that Christ would want us to respond to certain circumstances. It's not the way that a Christ follower, if he's serious or she's serious about their faith, would respond. But we fall into these patterns of, of comfort. We fall into these patterns of the way that it was. We fall into these patterns of just, just we've got to retrain ourselves to respond differently. And so... I think about this and I think about how that whole idea of renewing our mind, we've got to go into a process. When we, are, uh, when we accept Christ as our Savior, we become a new creature. We become a new creation. We become something new. We are renewed in ourselves. And so that process of coming in and chasing after Jesus, again, has to be renewed. So when we renew our mind, we are not falling back to the old patterns of the way that we used to respond to things. I may have responded in anger to this, but now it's different. I represent somebody that's a whole lot different, and I know that that's not the way that I should respond. I could have responded to this in a whole lot different way of a circumstance, but that's an old pattern. I need to step away from that pattern in my life. And as I'm talking about patterns, maybe you're thinking about the way that you respond to certain things that maybe you know that you shouldn't, but that's what's comfortable. That's the way that you always have responded. That's the way that it just is because that's the pattern that's in your life. And I'm telling you, if we are going to not be conformed to this world, to this age, we need to renew our minds and we need to respond differently in order for us to chase after Jesus and to be able to discover all that he has for us and for us to be able to fill in that blank in our life, for us to be able to discover our purpose and our plan or his plan for our life. 
And I think about this, and if there's any one person that we've talked about at Anchor Church for the year 2018, which the very first Sunday of 2018, we said, hey, it's not about us in 2018. John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. It is not about me in 2018. So that's kind of been this theme that I've wanted to create within our church that, listen, it's not gonna be about us. We can't make this about us. This life this church, this world, it's not about us. And if we can remember and get that right, then a whole lot of other things are gonna fall into place. So as we begin to, to, to do this and go through this year, I feel like we've talked about Peter a lot. He's one of my favorite, I don't wanna say character, he's one of the favorite guys in the Bible. He's one of the favorite people that we've seen and we can read about and, and understand about who he was in, 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 in scriptures. And the reason why I like him so much is because he's like me. He's a bumbling idiot at times, and sometimes he does things good. And so the story of Peter's life is this. When, when Jesus uh, finds Peter, Peter is a fisherman, and he calls him from the boat, calls him from the nets, and says, hey, listen, I want you to leave that life. If you want something greater for your life, come and follow me. Come and see what, what I'm all about. And so Peter knowing that there's probably something great that's about to happen in his life, he says, you know what? I trust you. I'm gonna follow you. He drops his nets, drops his profession as a fisherman, and he goes and he follows Jesus. And he begins this journey with Jesus, and he becomes one of the closest disciples to Jesus. He's one of his boys. And Peter would say, listen, hey, Jesus, I would, I would do anything for you. you. If you need anything, you can call on me. I'm your man. If you want me to cut somebody's ear off, I'll cut somebody's ear off. He did that. If you want me to do this, I'll do that. But when it came down to the zero hour, if you know anything about Peter, you know that he denied Christ. When somebody came up to Peter, he said, hey, that, that Messiah, that Christ that you have been following, he's like, I don't know who you're talking about, man. Uh, that's not me. You think Simon? I, no, my, my, name's, my name's Garfunkel. Like, that's not me. And then they came to him again, hey, that, that, the, the Christ, Jesus, the one that you've been following. He's like, hey, listen, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. And one more time, they came to him and said, listen, are you sure you don't know this guy? He's like, I don't know the man. But here's a guy that was following Jesus and said he would do absolutely anything for him. And at one time, he walked on water to go see Jesus. He, he was a part of and was witness to many of the miracles that Jesus was a part of. But yet when it came down to the time when he was supposed to be there for Jesus, he was asleep, he did what was wrong, and he eventually denied him three times. So I think about a man, and I think about a man who, you know, he's not always perfect. I can kind of get along with a guy like that. We have this, uh, this, 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 um, this thing, it's a natural thing. It's, our, it's called our, our reticular activator. It's a part of our brain. It's right here in the back, right? But that part, of, the part of, in the brain, the reticular activator, is the one that helps you kind of go through normal life and without maybe even thinking about things. I was kind of listening to a podcast when, I was, when I, was, I was learning about what this was. It was funny because my four-year-old, Jilly, was in the, was in the car with me. And, and they were talking about what this was and what that meant, and it was kind of this science thing. But um, it, it said how, like, you know how, like, sometimes when you're just driving and you, you get home and you don't even, like, I, like, I remember this on the interstate. Like, I'll, I'll be driving five, ten minutes on the interstate, and then all of a sudden I shake myself. I'm like, man, I don't remember anything of the last, like, ten minutes. Like, what happened to the last ten minutes of my life? 
It's because your reticular activator kicks in and kind of just knows what's going on. It pays attention to the things it needs to pay attention to, but it filters out the things that doesn't necessarily need to filter out. Sometimes it's just the normal patterns of life. And the, the, the podcast said this, it said, it said, maybe you've done this where you've recently moved and you've had a big day, you've had a long day, and uh, you go through the process and you're just going home, and before you know it, you get home and you realize, hold on, this isn't the house that I used to, this isn't the house that I live in, this is where I used to live, but I don't live here anymore. And when they said that, Jilly's like, Daddy, you've done that? And I'm like, you were, I didn't, like, you were listening to that? But it was funny because we did do that one time. We, we went to my old house, which is just part of a normal routine. You get into that pattern. You get into that routine. It's your reticular activator. And it's, it's, this, it's this idea that you can kind of go from one thing to the next, and sometimes you don't necessarily pay attention. Your, your brain kind of kicks in and filters out what it needs to filter out and, uh, and pays attention to the things that thinks that it's important for it to understand. And I think sometimes when we allow ourselves to do it, our flesh we'll do the exact same thing. We'll kind of just go back to the ways that we used to be. Maybe we're trying so hard to be this way. Well, I don't know if it's a diet or if it's, a, if it's trying to be at the YMCA two times a week, which I had not done this week. That was been my goal um, to go work out. I hadn't done it once. Um, but like you kind of go into the old ways. I remember one time thinking, you know, I could go to the gym right now or I could eat a couple double stuffs. And so I decided the double stuffs was where I was gonna go. Um, but you, you get into this pattern where you're like, this is more comfortable. This is the way that it needs to be. And, and we can do that absolutely with our spiritual life as well, where we kind of just sit back and we fall back into this old way, into this old pattern. And Peter is a perfect example of this when we look at his life, because at the end of his life, at the end of, I'm sorry, at the end of Jesus's life, Jesus goes to the cross, Peter denies him. Uh, Peter is not there at all for the resurrection. He's gone. He's disappeared. When Jesus dies on the cross, Peter is defleted. He is, he is defeated and defleted, and he doesn't know what's going on in his life. He thinks, man, for the last two and a half to three years, I've been following this Jesus. He gets punished and put onto the cross, and he's dead. Now what's going to happen? His reticular activator kicks in. His flesh kicks in. He forgets everything that Jesus had told him because Jesus told him what was going to happen. And he does what every red-blooded American would do. He goes fishing. <laughs> Peter was not American. It was a joke. Thanks. I wore my, my, my fish hook belt buckle or belt today as, a, as my Peter token. No, so Peter does this. He goes and he goes back with his boys because it's Saturday and he goes fishing. It's not really Saturday. But he goes fishing. He goes back to what is comfortable for him. He goes back into that old pattern. And see, he's out there on the boat. He's fishing all night. John's with him. A couple other guys are with him. A couple other disciples are with him. And they catch nothing. So not only is this the most disappointing day ever because Jesus has been, has been gone and he's been gone for three days now, but they don't catch anything overnight. And they're about to call it a, a night and they, they're kind of wrapping things up and it's the end of their time being out there in the water and, and they're, they're not really paying attention or focusing on, on anything else other than just kind of putting their nets together, right? This is kind of how I picture it. And they hear this voice, hey, from a far distance, right? From the shore. You guys catch anything? Which like, when you haven't caught anything, it's like the worst thing you could ever hear from anybody. No, 
<laughs> like, we haven't caught anything. No. Shut up. Well, hey, why don't, you, why don't you throw your net on the other side? We've been out here all night, man. Like, we, there's, it, there's no difference between this side and that side. But at the same time, they've heard this before. So they went ahead and they, they threw their nets down for whatever reason. And in that moment, they, their nets were filled with fish. And they brought them in. And they thought, what in the world? And John's the one that actually points out. He said, that's, that's Jesus. And Peter, in his craziness, he says, that's Jesus? He jumps out of the boat, thinking maybe he could probably run across the water. He doesn't. And he swims to the shore. And he goes and he chases after Jesus. And Jesus is there on the shoreline. And what's really unique here is that Jesus actually is cooking some fish on the shore. So he didn't need them to actually do that because anything that Jesus needs, he's capable of, of being able to provide. So he doesn't need us to provide anything for him. If he needs to provide something for himself, he's fully capable of doing that. So he, they get to the shore. He's already cooking up some fish. Who knows where they came from, right? They're like, what in the world? We didn't catch any Anyway, whatever, Jesus. You got fish here. That's fine. And so the, he's cooking the fish, and they go through this whole process, Right? And I want to go back just a little bit, and I want to read a couple of Bible verses to you, and I want to see some of this, and I want to go through some of this. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, this is Jesus. He says this. He says, Simon, Simon. Now, remember, Simon is also Peter. Jesus renames Simon as Peter. He says, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat. He's predicting what's about to happen, the story that we talked about. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And that's, that's important for us to understand that maybe we think, man, I'm alone. I feel like nobody's ever praying for me. Jesus is praying for us just like he prays for Peter. He prays on our behalf. And he says this, he says, and you, when you have turned back, right, when you have messed up, when you've made a mistake, I pray that not you, right, going back, I pray that your faith would not fail. Your I pray that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, when you've made a mistake, when you've denied me three times, I pray that you would strengthen your brothers. So in this process and in this idea of us, we have to understand that when Jesus is predicting and seeing this in Peter, he's seeing the same thing in us, but he wants us, our faith, to remain strong because we're going to fail. That's just who we are. We're just like Peter, we're going to fail. And when we fail, Jesus is praying on our behalf. He knows we're gonna fail. He is there for us and he covers our failures with what he did for us on the cross. We need to understand that when, when we make a decision for Jesus, when we understand and we accept Christ as our savior, we go from a place of living for the love of Jesus, right? We're, put, we're in a place where we are in a disaster. We feel like nothing can go right. Nothing is going right. We, we, we don't know, have the answers. We're in a place where we don't have a savior. We're in a, we're in a mess. We go from a place of living for the love of God to a place of living from the love of God because when we decide that that's gonna be our outlet, that's gonna be the place where we have, Jesus is, is gonna reside inside of us we, in an outpouring fashion, we live from the love of God and we begin to live differently in our life. 
And so we need to re- renew the view of, uh, of, of us and how we talk about ourselves and how we, how we, how, who we say that we are. And that's one of the things that I have for you is we need to understand that we need to re- renew the view of, of you, which is you, us. Renew the view of you. Proverbs 18, 21 says, life and death is in the power of the tongue. Matthew 12, 36 says that I tell you that one day of judgment, uh, the, on the day of judgment, people will have to account for the careless word that they speak. We have to renew the view of who we are. And I tell you, we are probably some of the most critical people in our life. The people around you may be critical at times, but our, us ourselves in our own lives and who we are and how we treat ourselves, we are probably the most critical on ourselves. There was a scientific study that said that men speak 20,000 words a day. It's a lot of words. 20,000 words a day men speak. Women speak 30,000 words. In case you're not doing the math, it's 10,000 words more. I heard this story, not my story, about two guys hanging out there saying, man, I just hate that my wife always has to have the last word. Don't you hate that? And he says, the other guy says, no, I'm just glad that she's finished. (laughs) But we can be the most critical. 20,000 words men speak vocally, 30,000 words women speak vocally. Scientific study says that we speak 70,000 words internally. And we can be the most critical on ourselves. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. And I will tell you, on the day of judgment, people will have to account for every careless word that they speak, and that is towards yourselves. It's vocally towards other people, but it's towards yourself as well. Philippians 4, 8 says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any more excellence, and if there is any praise, Dwell on these things. These are the things that you should be speaking about. These are the things that you should be talking about. These are the things that you should be tweeting, Instagramming, Facebooking about. Whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, if there's moral excellence in these, if there's any praise, dwell, think on these things. We have to be able to be vocal. We have to speak these things. We have to share these things. We have to be able to go to the Lord and in request and in, uh, in prayer, just be able to say, these are the things, these are the ways that I am. I want to be able to understand who you are, and I want you to be able to speak life into my life, and I want you to be able to help me get to where I need to be. Again, it's this process of learning and understanding who Jesus is more than we are going to trying to discover our will for our life. We need to discover him more. And I can think about blind Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus. There's this story of this man in the Bible who is blind. And he's making his way to Jesus and he can't see and he's stumbling around and he gets to him and Jesus looks at him and says, how can I help you? Now, if I'm Bartimaeus, I'd be like, man, I'm, are you blind? I'm blind. Like, I need, this, this is my problem. But Jesus says, how can I help you? And he says, I'm blind. I need healing. And Jesus says, okay. 
But sometimes we need to vocalize that. We need to be able to share that. We need to speak the truth of what we need to him because he will be able to provide for us. Mark eleven twenty three 23 says this, I assure you, if anyone says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, it does not doubt and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Now, this isn't saying, hey, because this is what you want, and if you speak it, it's going to happen. No, but if it's from the heart, if that is what is the good will and pleasing thing that God wants, if you speak it, that is something that can happen. This is why we go to the Lord in prayer. This is why prayer is so important. I remember a year ago, a little over a year ago, my dad was going through something, and he thought they had cancer, and, and they thought they had kidney cancer. He ultimately, long story short, he had cancer, but he, they thought that he had kidney cancer, and they said, hey, we see something on the kidney. We need to be able to go in and, and, and take a further look at it. They, and, and like, I, I remember going to a lot of people, and a lot of people were praying for my dad at that time. And he went into the doctor like two weeks later, and they said, I don't know what we saw on the kidney, but the, there's nothing there now. What we thought was cancer is no longer there. There's something else that's still here, but what we thought was bad is not as bad as it was. And he's gone through this process now where, 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 where I believe that the Lord has answered so many prayers that he is, he's out of, out of chemo, he's out of radiation, and they've deemed him cancer-free. And I believe that it's because there have been so many people that have gone on behalf to speak these things to the Lord, to say, God, please heal this man. Because I believe that that happens. Psalm 42, 8 says this, the Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to God in my life. The Lord will send his faithful love by day. His song will be with me in the night, a prayer to the God of my life. I think that we need to learn to be able to sing his songs. I think sometimes we sing our own songs. We, we say negative things and we're awful about ourselves. We say, I can't do this. I can't do that. I'm, I, I'm not worthy of this or I'm not worthy of that. And we go through life and we talk a lot of bad about ourselves. We talk a lot of smack about who we think that we are. But we're not singing our song that we should be singing. We, we need to sing the song that God is singing because it changes things, Right? Akuna Matata, what a wonderful phrase. Go ahead. Akuna Matata, ain't no path. I don't know the word there. There you go. It means no for the rest of your days. You guys are awful. Come on. It's our problem free philosophy. Akuna Matata. Okay, there we go. Listen, you don't want me leading songs. No. But listen. That's not my song. That's not your song. But the mood and the feeling of the room a little bit changed there, right? Because I kind of just threw that at you. But here's what happens. We start to sing a different tune. We start to sing a different song. We start to feel a little bit of a different spirit. That song is a fun song. We start to sing his song versus our song. We start to sing his praise. We start to sing everything that is good and worthy of him. We start to sing his song and be able to understand who his word, what he is in his word. It will be able to help us last through the night. It'll be a prayer to the God of my life. It's, it's gonna take us to the next place. Psalms 98, four says, shout to the Lord, all the earth, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. It is a place and a, for us to be in worship, to sing and be excited. 
And God will do that. Like, we need to shift our song. No longer do we need to speak these things of, of who we think that we are. We need to speak the things of who God says that we are. We need to renew the view of you. Because when we start to sing these songs and we start to worship and we start to get to a point where maybe we're, we're not so tied into our inward feelings, but we actually start to sing these words of, of praise to God, that we start to sing these things that we, we put on the screen and we start to learn the songs that we sing and we actually start to believe the words that are in them. This is, I, I'm actually talking about singing actual songs now. But when we do that, it is a place of worship. It is a place where we can unleash just our praise for, the, for our Savior. We can get to a place where maybe we have this moment of worship that turns into this movement in our life where we start to be able to sing his praises all the time. It's important for us to be able to renew our mind and chase after everything that Jesus is. But we need to separate ourselves from our old ways, our old patterns. Because when we do that, when we get to a place where we, we're, we're in a movement of worship in our life, where we start to understand and be able to see what Jesus is doing and understand how he responds to different things, if we, be able, we begin to do this and it begins to be a part of who we are, we see what's coming up ahead. We can see, hey, listen, I know, I know this pattern. I know what's about to happen. See, what happened for Peter on the shore, Jesus goes to him, and if I'm Jesus, I think, man, what were you thinking out there when you were denying me? You knew everything. Go sit in time out. When you come back, I want you to go and apologize to that woman that you denied me to three times. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Go, go do it. And then I want you to go get me you know, the frappuccino from, whatever. That's your punishment. But that's not Jesus. He says, do you love me? And Peter's like, well, yes. And Jesus says, well, do you love me? And Peter says, yes. He says, feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? For the third time, again, three times he denied. Jesus comes back with three times. He's asking him, do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus says, if you love me, my plan and my purpose that I have for you is still intact. No matter what you did and what you've done, I still have a plan for your life. I still have a purpose for your life. I still have something, I still have a promise for you. Remember when I said that you're gonna be the rock that this church is gonna be built on? The foundation of this church is gonna be built on you. I still have that plan in place for who, who you are. I still have that plan in place for you. Now go, feed my sheep. And Peter in this moment has gotta be thinking, what? Jesus, I, after what I did to you, how can you do this? How, this is it? And Jesus is simply asking him if he loves him. Because if you love him, he still has a plan and he still has a purpose for your life. No matter what you've done, what you've been through, what has happened in your life, 
He's calling you out of the boat to the shore. He's calling you to fulfill that purpose. Don't listen to the words inside your head that say, I'm not qualified, I'm not accomplished, I can't do this, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough. Because he's asking you, do you love him? And if you can honestly say yes, then he wants you to fulfill his purpose for your life. I think sometimes we go through process and through this life where we, where we respond with different things. Well, I'm not good. I'm not qualified. I can't do this. I'm not. And we go through these I am's. But there is the great I am. In the Old Testament, God comes to, to Moses and Moses is talking to him in a burning bush and, bush and, and Moses says, well, who do you want me to say that you are? Who, how do I tell these people who you are? And he says, just tell them that I am. He's like, what? I am? Yeah, whatever it is that they want to say that I am, I am. I am the king. I am the redeemer. I am uh, the savior. I am their God. I am your God. I am. We need to start filtering our life and being able to renew the view of us and be able to look at scripture and look at who he says that we are and be able to approach our lives understanding who he says we are. And I have this paper that's available to you that's in the lobby today. It's on some of those round tables with you and I would encourage you to take one when you leave here today, but it says this, it tells you who you are. It says, I'm accepted. And there's many Bible verses that tells you who I am. And it says, I'm gonna read a couple of them. It says, I am God's child. I have been justified. I have been redeemed and I'm forgiven of my sins. I'm secure. I'm free of, from condemnation. I'm confident that God will complete the good work that he has started for me. I have not been given the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. I am significant. I may approach God with freedom and confidence and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. These are the I am's that you should be filling yourself up with because there's so much more power in this. When God says I am, I am the great I am, he's telling you that there is a lot of great things for you too. And he defines who you are. Don't let yourself define who you are. Don't let the world define who you are. You need to renew your mind and be able to help fulfill your purpose by chasing after him and understanding who he is and understanding who you are by just getting to know him. And your blank will be fulfilled. Your purpose will be filled as you begin to discover who he is. And you discover who you are how he defines how you are. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel for more messages like this one.